congregation of Jesus Christ, we continue to look at the uh, wisdom of God as we find it here in the book of Proverbs. And as always, just reading a chapter, it's all kinds of things. What about this? What about that? Definitely uh, aspects of life that you can see and say too. That's, that is so true. That is just uh, clear insight. Others need a little explanation perhaps, but good just to let the word too touch your heart and life. And there will be things in here again too that you think, hey, yes, that is, that is so true. This evening, I want to just to begin with the sense of this particular passage is, is different from everything else in Proverbs in these lists. It, it has these lists of three and four and two and three. And there, even just in a very general way to get the, uh, the sense, too, of, of using lists, it just struck me in initially looking at this passage I like to list things down. If I'm going ahead thinking too, I should do this, 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 and this. And I write them down. And so I have them, right? And then otherwise too, you think, what about this? I were, there were three things I needed to do. No, there were four things I needed to do. And then you have them there. Very helpful. There is a sense in this wisdom, even in how it's put together, that, that it, is, it is bringing that forward as well, that you, you keep your life organized in a way that you, you do that deliberately, that you make a list, you put things on, you scratch things off. I find it very helpful. Agur makes lists, and he is reminded of these things and that, and then that speaks to him again. And so... There, there is even a sense of, as, as you're making your list of things, do some of you make lists? Do you work with lists? Yeah. Us organized folk, <laughs> it helps, right? But then, then, then there's a godly sense to it, right? Because his, his listing of things in terms of, of okay, this is, this is also in what I need to do, uh, God is working, and it's even beyond just the mundane things, pick up milk and eggs. It's, it's the sense of, okay, I should maybe stop in here. I should maybe make a call there. I should do something of, yeah, even fuller significance. And if, if it's just uh, a general, without some thoughts and planning, writing it down, there's wisdom through just organizing it and including God in the list of things, good things, godly things. And so that reality, and it, it reminds us too of, of other lists that God makes, the Ten Commandments laid out clearly before us, or the fruit of the Spirit, or the gifts of the Spirit listed in Scripture, also the sense of the list of names of the redeemed. God makes lists. God lays it out and works it through and redeems all those who believe in Jesus. Their names are on the list. So initially, just looking at the passage generally, 
that that's one thing that jumps out. Just in the style of it. You don't find that style elsewhere in Proverbs. When we read Proverbs 30, we wonder, Solomon we know, Proverbs of Solomon, who is Agur? What's going on here? Towards the end, did Solomon run out of Proverbs? No, Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs, and they're not all here. So why aren't more of Solomon's Proverbs here? Well, there is no clear understanding of exactly why. The, the finishing of the book of Proverbs includes these sayings of Agur, and the thought is, indeed, God provided wisdom for his people through Solomon. Amazing. But there are other wise, godly people. And so you have the sense, too, of, yeah, seek out wisdom. The wisdom of God is present in Solomon, absolutely, as a special gift, but also in others. And so even in your life decisions, ask. Ask people who are older. Ask people who may have done something similar. Find wisdom in various, yeah, godly places, but among perhaps various people. And so Agur is here. No one knows. There is no cross-reference insight at all to who Agur was. There is no sense either of the other names mentioned there, uh, Jake, Jaka, or Ithiel, or Uka. If you do look at the names as Hebrew words, you can get a sense maybe of, because yeah, the names in Hebrew were often insightful and symbolic. Agur means to collect. And so that this person, also wise, collected up these wise sayings. The son of Jacob means the son of obedience. So he was the son of an obedient, godly person, which is where wisdom lies. And Ithiel and Ukal mean God is with me and I am strong. So if God is with me, then I am strong. So the name symbolically, one who collects wisdom is a son of obedience. If God is with me, I am strong. So that's the sense of the understanding that might be included in these names, though we would say that these are also actual people, but we don't know anything specifically about them. Then just to touch on... Uh, one aspect where it specifically speaks about wisdom. When it says in, uh, in verse 24, it speaks about uh, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. So, so the picture is too that you, you find wisdom, godly wisdom, uh, Solomon, Agur, and 
as you look to at the creation around you, as God created things, there is wisdom in God's creation everywhere. And so these verses, verses 25 to 28, apply to our, our work. Work uh, as a student in school, work as a stay-at-home parent managing a home. Uh, our work, how we do our work, seems to be the, the central focus here. And it looks at, at the ant, at the cooney, at the locust, and at the lizard. And so the passage, those verses from Proverbs 30, put these before us. Now this list, these verses, show us how to view our work. Now some people feel it's a very important aspect of our living, our work. That's, that's how we spend the majority of our time, at our work. People in our culture have the sense, too, of work, what is work. Often people see it as a, as a drudgery, a necessary evil, a means that needs to be endured uh, until the weekend, a, a means to make some money. But the work itself, uh, surveys consistently show that people don't really like their work. It's, it's a drudgery. It's a difficulty. It's unfulfilling. And so you get the sense of, of Mondays going to work. People are discouraged, uh, waiting for Fridays to get off of work so that they can do something that they enjoy. And that type of, of rhythm in our culture, is that the way it's supposed to be? Is that how we are supposed to see our work? You get some work, you don't like it. You do it, make some money, and then you live for the weekend. And that is not a wise way to live. That's not a proper understanding of our work. When we first meet God in the Bible, He is at work, Genesis 1. He is creating. He is busy. And part of being made in God's image is that we are people who work. And, and it's an it's area where we should find satisfaction. Proverbs 30 says we can learn about our work by looking at the animals God worked to create. And though small, they do great work. Looking first at the ants, Proverbs 30, verse 25, where it says, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. We read as our call to worship from Proverbs 6. Uh, Go to the ant, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, and yet it stores up its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Solomon mentioned that too in Proverbs. He saw wisdom there. So, so the example, first of all, of the ant. We have ants around our house. We all see them. When you see them, what do you think of? The ant speaks of hard work. Hard work, as opposed to laziness, kind of giving up in our work. The sin of, of just drudgery in our work. 
that reality of the fall, that work is often more difficult, that there is sweat, but recognizing that doesn't mean we give up, that we lose sight of what we are called to in our work, even in a fallen world. Consider the ant. Work hard. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There's a, a sense of, this is what I'm called to do. I'm going to do it well. It's part of our calling as people to work with the strength God gives us, to work diligently, to build up good and godly things in this sinful world to the glory of God. The ant is one example. And so even, even though the effort seems so minimal, the work an ant can do, what is that? That's pointless. And sometimes, too, the sense of our work, too, we can get the sense, too. But for God and for the kingdom, what we do to do it the best we can, to work hard, to work well, to do it for God and not for self. It is good and proper for people to work under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, Ecclesiastes 5. So we consider the ant, first of all, and in our view in our work, yeah, we will work hard. And that, that is a key aspect, to work hard, to work well, to do your best. It adds, Proverbs 30, verse 26, where it speaks about the kuni, and that is... Uh, Picture two, coonies are creatures of little power, yet they make their homes in the crag. And the, the picture that we have, it's, it is uh, in that region, the understanding of a furry mammal living among the rocks, something like a marmot. That's, that's the picture that they had in mind. And we've seen the mountain uh, in the mountains, right? Have you seen marmots? You go to the mountains, you get up above... Yeah, and there they are, tucked into their little holes in the rocks. And again, too, small, weak, but, but the wisdom of seeing them there is that we find our place, we find our niche, that we find work that, that is suitable to us. A marmot knows that it's no match for, for predators down lower on the mountains, that it's found a place where it can thrive. And there is the sense of, of recognizing our limitations also and to find the place where we can work and serve where God has placed us. When we are children sometimes, uh, our parents tell us to, you can do anything you want, you can be anything you want to be. And, and to a point that's correct, we have much opportunity. Absolutely, in, in our world, in our culture, boy, you can, you can try all kinds of things. But in the end, there is a reality that you are just better suited for some things than others. That's just who you are. That's how God created you. You have gifts and abilities that will find themselves well suited to a particular spot. And you have to find 
that spot. And not everyone can do what you do, and you can't do what others do. And so that's the picture, too. You do your work, you work hard in the area where you feel you are most able. And so that sense of being who you are, who God created you to be, and just entering into that, finding that place, that niche, and, and being there, being the best marmot you can be. Reminds me of my Uncle Alex. Uncle Alex was a, back in the day, uh, he pumped gas at a gas station. He was one of the people who served. He didn't have a lot of education. He didn't go out and do all kinds of other things, but he worked at Russell Motors, and he pumped gas. And he had a ministry there that nobody else could do. He, he welcomed people. He took care of them. He, he made sure they, they felt appreciated, and, and he, he pumped their gas, and he cleaned their windshield, and he listened to the engine, and he made sure everything was good, and that was good. He found a spot. He was there for years. He was loved. Everything was fine. You find a place where you can labor that suits you, and then you can enjoy that work. The third thing is a locust. It mentions the locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. And this is a picture, too, of how we do our work in the locusts have the context of, of working together. That, that we are not totally on our own. That we are definitely part of working together. There are always relationships that are necessary and working together for a common purpose and that we see ourselves too as part of a broader working together. In our economy, even generally, you might still have a job where you, you maybe work more on your own, but you are still part, integrated in a bigger system. And to recognize the power of that and to be also open to that sense of, okay, we are working together here. That picture works itself out very strongly in the church and in the work of the church and in the work of faith, that we work together as a church and as people of faith, that we also see that played out as a church. We can do more together. And as, as a denomination, we can do more together, churches together, supporting things like King's College. And as a denomination, we can do more together. And so the picture of the locust, the picture of doing our work, that we are not just isolated, either the work of, of our hands or the work of faith, but that, that together God calls us to work well. And so there's a powerful sense of, of doing our work wisely and well together. And finally, the lizard or the gecko. The lizard has the sense to it can be caught with the hand and it is found in king's palaces. And if you do go to uh, some of the more tropical countries, you, you will find lizards scurrying around. And that, that reality 
to us here, yeah, that's what are those things doing in the house or in the store or in the, yeah, in the church even. But the picture is one of seeing them there. They can be caught, it says. They can be caught with the hand. You could grab them and kill them or grab them and throw them out. But they are not. They are not addressed that way. And the message of the lizard is, is to see just their usefulness. They are, they are useful. Like a cat around a farmyard to catch mice, the, the lizard is there in these places because it catches harmful bugs and insects, and so it, it serves a very useful purpose. In that sense, too, our work to give us and to have a sense of the, the importance of our work, there's a sense of dignity in the work that we do. That's very strong in the Reformed faith and in Calvinism in general. And with the Reformation and with the, the sense, too, of, of what we are before God, then, then the picture impacted work. And people were, were again reminded of the biblical picture of, of the work that we do is unto the Lord. And it's not so much that this work is so much better and this is so much worse, but all of our work, wherever we are, when it's done to the Lord, is of great dignity and value. And so that, that Christian message went out through, through the Reformation. Pastor uh, Bill Hybels of the Willow Creek Church expresses it this way, that there is a dignity in every person's work. The farmer who plows a straight furrow, the accountant whose books balance, the trucker who backs a 40-foot rig into a narrow loading dock, the teacher who delivers a well-prepared lesson, the carpenter who crafts a fine piece of furniture, the secretary who types documents accurately, the mother who tends to the children faithfully. There is a dignity as they commit themselves to their work. We each have a place and a task before God. And that's, that's that place that we recognize the work that we are doing is not just a drudgery, not pointless, not purposeless at all. It's when done to the Lord, it has great dignity and value. So Proverb brings a word of wisdom into our work. That word is echoed in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, where in the New Testament church, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Man, does that ever give a different perspective on people who say too, oh, Working Monday to Friday, this is useless, pointless, but i got to make some money, and oh, the weekend. What a different vision. What a deeper understanding. What an encouragement in a fallen world where work is, in fact, toil and burden. It can still be redeemed. We work hard like the ant. We find a place where God calls us to serve and has gifted us. We work in harmony with those around us, seeking to do our work well. And we see the dignity of the work we are doing, doing it unto the Lord.
And so even our work can be redeemed already in the power of the risen Lord so we can do all things to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as you worked in creation, help us image your desire that we glorify you in our work. Grant that each one here find satisfaction and enjoyment in the work they do. May the tedious and difficult aspects of the work we do be energized and sanctified in the knowledge that we are doing our best for you first of all. Grant good relations between workers and management and also in the church and among churches as we hold to the greater goal of building up and bringing in your kingdom of righteousness and peace. Continue to work in us, we pray, by your word and spirit, and give us that constant assurance that what we do unto you, you will establish and bless. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.